What's up, gifted family? Welcome to another episode of the show that is the GP YouTube. Just a reminder that if you support what we do here, make sure to go over to giftedperformance.com and sign up for our automated coaching service. For only a dollar a day, you'll get access to 15 highly customized training programs, a macronutrient calculator, our meal planning feature that lets you build and save meals based on your macros, as well as access to our private Facebook group. All subscriptions help us in continuing to put out great content to get you to your fitness goals. Thanks for stopping by, and without any further delay, let's get into today's video. Enjoy. Welcome back, folks. Another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast, the GPP, where we give you the practical insight and knowledge to improve your own general physical preparedness. It is I, resident lady, on this episode, the first episode of the Women's Podcast. Yes, I'm masquerading as a woman on this. I told Jess that she could host it. She said, no, I don't want to host it. You got to host it. So here we are. So we've got GP Jimmy, the apparel overlord, and Jessica Lifestyle Lee, giving everybody w- WWE names today on the pod. Before uh, we get started, talking? before we get into our topic of the day, which is going to be weight maintenance post diet for women, I want to do a little bit of introduction. So I don't need any introduction from you guys, but Jess. What is your background in health and fitness? Who do you predominantly work with? And what would you say is your one area? You can only pick one. Your one area of expertise where you just crush ass and take names. Okay, so um, my background, first of all. um, I played a lot of sports. I ended up competing in bodybuilding in 2016. After competing, I became certified for personal training. And then, uh, you know, with continued education and all that kind of stuff, I got certified for nutrition. And then uh, now I'm currently in pursuit of become a, becoming a registered dietitian. Um, so that's mm-hmm. where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. What was the other question? Um, who do I predominantly work with? So I specifically work with women. I have a couple of guy clients, but my... Um, my clientele is definitely heavily um, female-based. And then my area of expertise, I would say, would be, you know, when I start working with women clients, a lot of times it comes down to, um, you know, like cultivating that awareness of what... Hmm... <sighs> Like what they, I don't, this is bad. <laughs> Can we cut? <laughs> so I'll put it into words for you. Jess, what she does is she cultivates. Was that the word you used? I like it. You cultivate a sense of mindfulness, of awareness, of, you know, being in touch with yourself, being in touch with kind of not only your goals, but the steps that you want to take to get towards your goals. Because I've seen you post a lot of feedback from your clients, and it seems to be focused a lot about that, about how, you know, working with Jess has helped me improve my, you know, mindfulness around food, about, you know, setting reasonable goals. What else did I miss there? Balance. Yeah, balance. I would say balance. Hashtag balance. It's going to look really bad that you kind of ended up doing my introduction for me, but it's fine. Hey, that's what I'm He's just good with words. He really is. Anything outside of words, I'm just a mental midget. Oh, can you say that anymore? I'm a mental dwarf, mental small no, person. What? So what's the correct term? I'm asking. Like, I don't know. Just maybe just, I don't know. Well, Neglect saying that one. People comment below. What is the correct term? I'm trying to get it right so I can improve myself later on. I'm 100% down the line. sure midget is a derogatory term though. For sure. That's definitely not one that you and want to And they're going to go after Disney soon for dwarfs. Oh. I know it. You think I so? feel it. Hot take. I guess- that's me predicting the future. All right, Jimmy, it's your turn. So don't fuck it up. What is uh, your at gifted performance? What would you say is your area of expertise? And what are three things that make you want to punch squat dad in the face while he sleeps? 
Ah, that's for another podcast. Um, but my background, I started with background. My background in fitness is that I did competitive gymnastics and cheerleading for 10 years of my life. Immediately retired um, at 16 and started coaching. And I coached competitive gymnastics from 15 years old to 27 years old. A very long time. I also did personal training um, at LA Fitness. It made me absolutely hate personal training. I don't know if I could ever go back to doing it again. I respect everyone who does it. I work for a company who does primarily personal training, but um, I would take a classroom full of 25 five-year-olds versus one person close to my age and having to talk them through a workout. So I admire what you guys do. I definitely can't do it. Um, I competed in bodybuilding in, I think, 2018, 2017, maybe. And then 2017, and then decided that uh, we were going to do weightlifting. We did weightlifting, decided after that we are going to do CrossFit, did CrossFit for a little while, then went back to bodybuilding, and now we're back to CrossFit. So done a little bit of all of it. Never did powerlifting, not strong enough, very small. Um, CrossFit's my favorite, I guess. Uh, what I do at Gifted Performance is I honestly don't have a title. I like to call myself an assistant manager, but that's something I made up in my head. I do a lot of like emailing. I do a lot of billing. I do a lot of coordination. I do all of our like Facebook side of the social media stuff. And I do a lot of graphic design for Instagram, um, apparel, obviously. Uh, that's pretty much it. Three things that make me want to punch squat father in the face. One, I hate calling him that. Um, rather <laughs> call him anything else. Um, uh, I don't think that there are very many. Not shutting that. the cabinet doors in the kitchen. Not shutting the cabinet doors in the kitchen. Hey, Refuse to going. shut any cabinet doors in the kitchen. All of them open. All of them always have to be open at all times. Got to see what's listen. in the kitchen cabinets from the living room. Listen, listen. If I'm going back in there, they need to be open. It saves me a step. We have 12. We have like 12. Hey, look in the background back there. Like it's like all there on my screen. All those cabinets are shut. I shut all those. Just let the record let the record show. All right. What do you guys think? Should we talk about some weight maintenance? Should we get into this dang thing? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, Jess, I'm throwing the question to you first. Weight maintenance as a goal in the female or the woman's population. Why does it seem to be the most challenging goal? Women, great when it comes to losing weight. Um, even, even the opposite side of that yo-yo swing, great at the gaining side of things as well. But why is that that maintenance, especially coming out of a fat loss phase, why does it seem to be so challenging? Honestly, I think that it it stems from the fact that we're living in a time with a certain body shape and like size that is considered to be the new ideal. So then you have, you know, these women that struggle with feeling like it's acceptable or okay to be in a weight maintenance phase because of the fact that, you know, this new ideal is for them, actually, they have to be in a caloric deficit or they have to diet down to look like this standard that is, you know, placed from society or however you want to say it. But, um, I think that that's what makes it the most challenging, um, to like set a goal for being maintenance because I think that we are afraid of the fact that you know this ideal of a body image is not going to be met if we're in a maintenance phase so just looking from the outside in and this can be a question for either of you um like what are the metrics on that ideal body weight for a for a woman height weight body fat percent amount of musculature what's what does that ideal in your opinion look like i don't know if it's like about numbers versus like just the way that you look like anytime you get lean enough to have abs even though like some people have abs naturally like all year round anyone will come up to you in the gym be like holy shit how do i get abs like you like what do you do and then the minute that that goes away no one talks to you so like i don't know what that that body fat percentage kind of varies for people because like some people have naturally nice abs and like a really flat stomach but i know like woman to woman like abs are a huge like almost crowning achievement in like the fitness world so the minute that you have them they're visible and it's men women everyone at the gym coming up to you like what do i do how do i look like you and then i think that also plays into like why women don't want to stay in a maintenance place because they get so used to people coming up to them 
And it makes you feel great. Like when you're lean set and you're at the gym, 30 people have asked you what your ab routine is. And you're like, I actually haven't done abs. I actually only eat, like I eat nothing right now because I'm dieting. Um, I don't know. You get kind of sad when that kind of goes away. It's like once you start getting back into your maintenance phase slash like having to gain weight, you put on more, what do you call it? Center fat. There's a real word for that. <laughs> fat in your cent- in center. <laughs> Uh, center. I'm gonna call it center fat, and if that's my own own term, then that's great. Um, people don't look at you the same way anymore. They don't ask you about your ab routine. It's I don't know, kind of disheartening going to the gym, and then you just stop taking your shirt off. And you're like, fuck it, I'm just fat now, even though you're probably not. I was just gonna say you're probably not actually fat. It's just that you know you feel because you've put on a little bit of weight that you feel like now you're unworthy of being able to take off your shirt and wear a sports bra heaven forbid because your abs are slightly gone mm-hmm. um i think like i don't really get clients that will come to me and ask for a specific um like number maybe number on the scale but even then i feel like a lot of the times like our goals have been driven by our appearance and what we want to look like um so, yeah. So when I look at like the body fat percentage where a woman is going to have, you know, a very, very design or defined six pack might be, you know, something in the vicinity of, I mean, what do you think, Jess, 18%, maybe some women can get away with like 20%. Yeah. It, yeah. I was, it's just so variable. It is. And like, there was, um, this might be a little bit off. Nah, not really off topic. There was a post that you did, Ryan. There was a story, and you had said something along the lines of, "What if you stepped on the scale and you saw like a crazy number, like 300 pounds, but then what you saw looking back in, in the mirror at you was your ideal body image?" I don't know if you remember posting this. It was many, many moons ago, but that stuck with me. And so now, when I have clients that come to me and they, you know, are talking about anything related to like a number on the scale, that's the first thing I say back to them is like, you know what, like, okay, what if the number that you're seeing on the scale isn't anywhere that you think mentally where, you know, you want it to be, but then yet physically you feel really good and like your performance is great and your health is just phenomenal. Two two counterpoints there. I don't know how old you think I am or how bad you think my memory is, but that was like three weeks ago. So Jess is like, hey, I know you said something three weeks ago, but you probably have forgotten by now, you old man. No, you got a lot of stuff going on. Or or you think that I just get blackout drunk at night and just post like heavy, like high quality wisdom on my story. That's what it is. But here, here. So. I've actually asked that that exact question to quite a few men and women clients, um, but we'll just focus on the women's side. And the answer that I get more times than not from people is that even if what I saw in the mirror looking back at me was what I wanted to see and the number on the scale was not what I wanted to see, I would still be unhappy. And that's a big that's a big red flag for me right there, that you're so numbers driven that like even if you have what you consider to be your ideal body image that you're still just focused on an arbitrary number. I'm interested to hear kind of what your clients say when you pass that question off to them. I mean, usually I get pretty good feedback. Um, again, cause a lot of like the work that I do when I'm, you know, working with these women is it turns into the mental aspect of things like, yeah, I help women with nutrition and making sure that they're, you know, training, you know, their training program is good. And like the, the type of nutrition plan that they're following is meeting their specific needs. But at the end of the day, I still find myself working with them on a mental and emotional level because of the fact that they have this attachment of like this certain ideal of what they need to look like. And they just feel like shit when they're not meeting that expectation that they're not, they're putting, I don't think like women realize like we're putting ourselves, we're putting these expectations on ourselves that aren't even really stemming from us. It's stemming from what we are seeing from an external you know, world, social media, you know, the standards that people are setting, um, for just the women physique. And so it's like, yeah, I think that when I share that with clients, I get really good feedback from a mental point of view, um, or an emotional point of view, because it kind of helps them put it into perspective of like, you know, yeah, the number doesn't necessarily 
matter in that regard if I'm feeling good and I'm looking good or healthy. Yeah. So here's kind of a follow-up question to the conversation as a whole. Is is weight maintenance even a goal that's worth pursuing? Like with the natural ebbs and flows of our body weight, you know, as women, I, I speak, you know, for for all of us here in this chat, um, with the natural ebb and ebbs and flows that comes with kind of weighing in, is weight maintenance something that for your clients that you really want them to pursue? Or are you more so in line with the thinking of like, hey, you know, let's we're going to go through a gaining phase where we are specifically targeting increases in body weight on the scale. And then we can transition over to a fat loss phase where we are focusing on very specifically losses in body fat. So I think that, you know, a, you know, gaining weight after a diet phase is going to look different for everyone. Um, a lot of times, I think it really depends because if you're an athlete, um, you know, like going into a competition and prepping for a competition, then having to reverse that is completely different than just, you know, your average, like female trying to be healthy and live a healthy lifestyle. And so I think that weight maintenance, having that goal is, it's going to be different for everyone. And, um, I think that, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, Want me to grab it? I got you. Ready? Ready? I well. Go, Jimmy. Something that also you said a long time ago. I don't know how much this relates because I don't deal with the client. I only deal with kind of myself. Um, as like a person who does like a performance sport, I was told that where you look your best and where you train your best don't ever meet. So like I had to be very comfortable with seeing progress in the gym versus seeing progress in my own body. So I had to be, I have to be comfortable with Lexi and I talk about it all the time, our chub rub, it just has to be there. Like it's, it's unfortunate. And like, I don't look the same. And I also have to buy like all new sports attire because like my, I, like my rib cage, it's not my rib cage, it's my lats, but I can't breathe in half the stuff. And that used to be something that was so demoralizing to like go into a store and like go to pick something up and be like, I'm not gonna fit in that. But now it's like, okay, well, if I want to keep getting stronger, I want to keep getting faster. I want to keep getting better at CrossFit. Like I have to understand that this is a part of it. And that was like a big mental shift from me in 2017 with like being over 115 pounds was like, that's a no, that's, that's never going to happen. Like I, I can't, I actually physically can't. I would tell him that all the time. I was like, I, I can never see myself gaining more weight than that. And that was a quote that not a quote, but like something that I was told by Brian that helped a lot in the, like in the past. And if I had clients, that's something that I would tell them that like, unfortunately, if you want to get stronger and you want to get better, you have to see like your progress in the gym as your progress for right now. And I think that's helped me like get past the point that I was even post show now, like we did our, we competed in October of this year of last year. I'm sorry. And like, I was struggling to get Again, I always, it's that 115, 117 range where I'm like, um, if I get over this, I'm literally, I'm going to look like a gremlin. I'm like, I'm going to be huge and enormous. And like, that's not the case. It, yeah. it really isn't. And like, I feel so much better going like mentally going into workouts now. Like I'm not crippled by them. And I know that's also different that you said, like with people who are, are like lifestyle clients and people who are athletes. Um, but it's also another good line for women because unfortunately you just, aren't going to look your best all month long and you're not going to look your best all year long. And you got to learn to be like happy with the way that your body looks. It's not easy though. No, it's definitely not easy. And that's a good point that you make because like I've had clients and I've been there myself where it's like, I will have people that will come to me that have been in a caloric deficit for so long that they don't realize everything else that is now being hindered in like other aspects of life. And then it's actually, you know, me having to take them out of that caloric deficit and bring them back up closer to maintenance or back up to maintenance, depending on how much of a deficit they've been in and for how long. And you actually see like, as they they're checking in, they're even losing weight, but then their performance is getting better and so their sleep's getting better and their mental state's getting better. And I think it's because we are so, you know, programmed to, 
be afraid that if we aren't in a caloric deficit or if we're not dieting, we're just going to, you know, blow up and look awful when at the end of the day, that's not the case at all. And there's a lot of other benefits that can come from putting yourself into a maintenance phase. I think it's once a year, maybe it's a couple times a year. There's a meme that always pops up or like a meme format that always pops up and it's centered around women's fitness. And it's basically it's to, to the extent or to the point of, you know, like toning is not a real thing like that. It's just like toning is for printers. Like, you know, there's some sort of joke that they like throw right there about toning. So Jess, I'm interested how many of your clients come to you looking for that as your kind of goal? I want to tone up. I'm looking for toning. And maybe you can speak to the kind of specific things that go into toning how about how, like, if you really do want to look toned, you have to have a certain amount of muscle mass and to build that muscle mass, what would you have to do? Right. So that's just that. So, um, you know, I will get here and there clients that want to quote unquote tone up. But I don't think that, you know, like you said, you have to take into consideration, well, in order to be quote unquote toned, you have to have some, some muscle mass. And in order to get that, we're going to have to put you into a phase where you're going to be eating because we're going to need you to be able to fuel your training. So it's, it's hard because then it's like, I also think the definition of toning is different for each individual because I'll have women that are like, Oh, I want to get toned, but they don't actually mean like they want to put on muscle mass, like toning for them might mean something different. Um, so in that regard, I have to kind of, you know, that's where it comes down to getting to know the client and understand what they actually mean and what their verbiage means versus how I understand it, interpret it. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely different, um, for each individual. And I can tell you from personal experience, probably the clients that I struggle with the most are the ones that I see having the biggest struggles are women that come to me with basically no hypertrophy training history whatsoever. They've essentially spent most of their kind of like training life doing cardio and eating very low calories. So they're already coming in with very little muscle mass and their goal right off the bat is I want to burn fat. And on the front end of the diet, six to 10 weeks, we can be pretty successful with fat loss, but eventually you just start to get this kind of like stringy starved. Like you can hear Celine Dion singing in the background about how your 25 cents can change, can like save this child, this starving child. And it's like, well, that's cause you never took any time to actually build some muscle mass in the first place. So you end up with the dreaded and everyone knows it's the dreaded, the skinny fat, right? That's never a good look. Jimmy, are you showing off your skinny fat? I was skinny. I, that was me all through college. Lenny, put the picture of her right there. Plop it up there. We can My show. favorite cottage cheese leg picture from Night's Pub. We can show it off. All right. So we, we've kind of talked about how weight maintenance probably isn't the best strategy for folks who are coming out of a contest prep or maybe have some sort of athletic um, endeavors that they're trying to pursue, some sort of performance goals. So you, what do you guys think? What do you gals think? Um time I said, what do you guys think in class? And I had like two female students and they're like, uh, we're not all guys in here. I was like, oh, really? No fucking shit. It's a saying. What do you gals um, or who do you think would be someone who could pursue weight maintenance as a goal? Who do you think it works for? Crossheaders. You think so? Mm-hmm. At like what stage of their season would you say? Because we just kind of talked about how like maybe if you have performance goals, you know, eating in a surplus is probably going to benefit you. So maybe there are some athletes that could benefit from weight maintenance. What do you think? They're also the most uh, CrossFit females are the ones who advocate for women eating more the most. I think that they're the most inspirational, at least on my side of the world. Um, we talk about Amanda Barnhart's post all the time where she talked about most women who get across it, like their biggest mistake in the beginning is not eating enough. They're not eating enough. They're not building enough muscle. They're not building enough muscle to perform well. And then they kind of like, like, well, fuck CrossFit. This shit sucks. Um, I don't know if that's the right answer, um, but I feel like because of how physically demanding CrossFit is one, you're always working, you're always burning 
a lot of calories doing the fitness. So maybe like mentally you think like, okay, now I definitely like, I felt that workout. I definitely need to go home and eat because like we deal with it all the time where I'm like in the middle of a workout. I'm like, I'm so hungry. I don't understand why I'm so hungry right now. Um, but when I was bodybuilding, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like exhausted when I left the gym. And then I would be like, no, I don't feel like I work very hard. I don't feel like I should be like eating that much. I don't know if any of that makes any sense. Um, but that was my take on that question. Jess, what do you think? I, I mean, that would make sense to me. Like I personally have not partaken in CrossFit training, but I how <laughs> uh, that style of training and that intensity would be the, um, the demographic, I guess, that would want to partake in like, at least, yeah. Keeping your weight a little bit higher. Cause like most of the cross elite CrossFit women are like, you look at them and like, you can't guess their weight correctly. You can never guess their weight correctly. At least I can't. Cause I'm like, Oh, she's like 125. Right. It's like, she's 140. I think, I think most of them probably operate in a surplus for most of the year. Um, and then probably try and reduce their body weight around competition. But I mean, that, that means spending there's 52 weeks in a year. That means spending 40 to 42 weeks of that year in a calorie surplus with the goal to eat more than you're burning. Um, when I think of weight maintenance, I think of women who maybe have a significant amount of body weight to lose to the point where they can't get it all off in one go. Yeah. So like the analogy that I always use is like climbing Everest. So if you're someone who has 200 pounds of body fat to lose, like you can't do it in one go. You're just not going to be able to get 200 pounds off in one go. So what you really need to do is target 50 pounds, set up base camp at, you know, 10,000 feet of elevation or whatever it is, you know, take some time at maintenance, hang out there. I also think it's it's somewhat of a skill to learn how to maintain your body weight because a lot of men, you know, are conditioned like, oh, get your weight up, homie, mm -hmm. like always trying to like gain weight, gain weight. And women are the opposite side of that. It's like that scale needs to be moving down like year round. It's like, yeah. what the hell do you mean it needs to be moving down year round? It's going to hit zero eventually. And then you're dead. <laughs> right. No, that's just it, though. It's like if we're constantly striving for a you know, a lower number on the scale, that means essentially, you know, to a degree, we're going to be in a caloric deficit for a really long time forever. or and forever. Right. And then it's like, you can't, you can only do that for so long until your body's like, hell no, this is not happening anymore. And then you have that whole rebound phase where that's a whole nother can of worms that you can open. Um, so yeah, I think another, like, I think of when I think of like having someone a maintenance phase being ideal would also be for like, um, your average, just female. Like I think of moms, right? Like I work with quite a few moms and to me, it's like, I see these women that are so hard on themselves and it's like, you're raising like three children. You're like head of household, like you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're doing all this stuff. And then you're emailing me beating yourself up because you didn't see any like shift on the scale. And it's like, what? Like, no, like you are like this powerful wonder woman. Yeah. Like wonder woman. Like, no, that's literally it. Like you're doing all of these things right now. It's not just you that you're taking care of, but yeah, you're beating yourself up for it. And it's like, so to me, like a maintenance, um, would be ideal for them too, because it's like, you know, if you get down to a certain weight that you enjoy, or not even a weight, I, I don't want to use that word, um, like a, a body composition, a body composition that's healthy and sustainable, then screw the weight and like maintain that because it's going to be sustainable if you can maintain it. You know what I mean? There's definitely there's definitely seasons, especially for like moms, like you said, where there's like super busy seasons, like baseball season and like, hey, let's not, you know, let's not try and push fat loss at an extremely let's not put another very large stressor on your plate. Let's just focus on, you know, what are some other goals? What do you want to get done? Oh, I want to do my first pull up. OK, cool. Let's focus on that. Let's just make the pull up our goal and kind of shift away from body weight being the goal year round. I like that. So I recommend everyone go back and watch the latest episode that we did with Broderick Chavez, where I get absolutely screamed at by Broderick because I asked him, what is a way to simplify 
successful fat loss for life. And he goes and he just starts yelling at me. Fat loss for life for you want to lose fat for the rest of your fucking life. He's like, here's the problem. You just don't get fat in the fucking first place so that you don't have to lose fat for life. You fucking idiot. So everyone go watch me get yelled at. But yeah, like, you know, it's like Jess said, like, you got to pick your time. You're going to have a slow season where, you know, you've got eight weeks to really focus on, you know, one goal. Maybe that's, you know, losing 10 pounds. We're going to hit it hard then. And then we're going to transition out of that for, you know, 42 weeks of other goals. If you look back at your calendar, look at the entire calendar, mark off the weeks where fat loss was your goal. If it is more than a third or maybe even a fourth of the year. You're fucking up. You're doing it wrong. You're focusing way too much time on fat loss. Fat loss is like robbing a bank. You get in, you get the fuck out. Get in, get out. And then you spend the rest of your year spending your money. Laundering your money. (laughs) Laundering your money. Exactly. Come on. It's analogy time. We're robbing banks over here. The other thing with that is like if you look back on – like me personally, if I look back on this year – I'm not, my, my mind is not the first thing that's going to like, I'm going to go to is not going to be like my fat loss and what I like my lowest weigh in. That's not going to be the first thing I think about. I'm going to be thinking about, you know, my new PR with my RDLs or like RDL PR. Hell yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a (sighs) moment that I spend, you know, with friends at the gym or like something different. It's not going to be that one Friday morning I woke up and I checked in with Dom and I was like, hey, I lost this much weight. Like, it's not going to be that. So I think that's the other thing, too, is to take a, a little step back and think about perspective, like looking back on the last year, six months, however long it be like fat loss and all that stuff doesn't necessarily have to be the the main focus or the main priority. Like setting more tangible goals is yeah. like I think super helpful, like especially coming out of a like a diet season. Like I know having I don't want to always bring up CrossFit. That just makes me sound like the CrossFit, I don't know, captain. Not at all. Um but like having tangible goals after our bodybuilding show is very helpful. It gets the, you don't get lost in the sauce as much. Cause you're like, all your goals are is like trying to get better times on your workouts. And the only way you get better times on your workouts is if you put on a little bit of weight so you get stronger and you can lift more weights. And then it just, I don't know, having that be a goal after dieting was very helpful. Yeah, at like, least for me. Focus. Something to focus on that wasn't, related to the way that I looked. I don't know if it's an actual saying, but I'm going to make it up right now. So you've heard of a self-fulfilling prophecy. These 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 constant fat loss attempts or weight maintenance like failures because people are going about it wrong. They're kind of like a self-defeating prophecy. Is that a thing? Yeah. Self-defeating prophecy. I feel like self-fulfilling prophecy can be positive and negative, though. Okay. cool. Like a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. It's one of those fucking things. Who cares? Um, on the psychological side of things, what do you see, Jess, in your clients? Um, and it might be from like intake forms of like talking to them on their previous attempts to either lose weight or maintain their weight. What do you see as the psychological toll of like failed weight maintenance attempts? I lost weight. I tried to maintain it. I failed. And now I feel like what? Yeah. So it's. I don't, I see it from like a mental side of things. You definitely see people that beat themselves up for it, but here's the thing. It's like, you're not, there's no need to beat yourself up for that because like, okay, maybe you just, you like, here's the thing. If you messed up on this, you know, this phase of dieting or this maintenance, it doesn't mean that you're like a complete failure. It from how I say it, I call it putting the pieces of the puzzle back together. So you take a step back, you realize what you could have done better that time around. And you start putting the pieces of the puzzle back together in order to then do it better the next time. Like, I think that this journey of whatever the health, you know, whatever the end goal is for the individual, um, 
it's going to look different for everyone. And it's always going to be this journey of learning and evolving. And so each new milestone that you hit is going to teach you something, even if that means that you might have failed at a maintenance, you're still learning something about yourself and about your body that you can then apply to the next phase to then not end up in the same spot. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, I think it is. Learn from your mistakes the first time around so you don't do them again. Right. I loved it. Genuinely. I loved it. Jimmy, from the performance side of things, um, in your experience with kind of trying to maintain, I think you said like that 115, 117 was what you considered your ideal body weight. Um, from the performance standpoint, trying to maintain 117 versus allowing your weight to kind of creep up around like 123, 124, upwards of like 125. What have you noticed from like a performance standpoint? Um, and this is like super personal and I'm a very hyper emotional person. I feel like I cry a lot less in the gym. Um, and like anyone who's worked out with me knows that I take like every single workout to heart. And if I, when I lose, I lose sorely. Um, and I do a lot less losing now that I weigh more because I'm better at CrossFit. I'm stronger. I'm faster. Like I can keep up with people, but like I, like my parents talk about all the time. There's like pictures of me on like on a podium in second place, hysterically crying, like throwing my medals on the floor. So like, I've always been this way. Um, but I, I, it was honestly only like a couple of months ago, but like it was every day in the gym, I would be like the last person to finish. I would just sit in the corner and just be like hysterical because I was like, I don't know why I'm not getting any better. And then the minute I kind of like let it honestly it helped a lot to have like thomas in my ear and ryan in my ear saying you need to be 135 if you're ever going to be competitive you need to be at least 135 like, that's not even a number i've ever considered in my life being a small woman like always being like a small woman my whole life and like 120 was something that i hit a long time ago and i was like bad bad zone gotta get out of this gotta get out of the bad zone like not gonna have abs not gonna have shoulders people aren't gonna talk to me no one's gonna like me um and then you realize that you're very wrong about that. And you, the CrossFit community is kind of cool because you meet other women who are like, are not huge, but like in comparison to you, they're like jacked and they're doing ring muscle ups and then they're walking on their hands and you're like, all right, I can get to that body weight also. And I can still do all the gymnastic stuff that I can do. And they're way better, way stronger than me. Like I feel a little bit more comfortable like gaining weight. And on, it really was only like a couple months ago where I was like, all right, I'm going to actually follow the macros that I've had for a couple months now. And like, I really did start. <laughs> I'm not the world's best client and I'm never going to try to like take that medal from anyone. And like, it's, I do bad stuff all the time. And I'm very, here's how it goes. Ready? It goes, Jimmy, did you hear macros this week? Yeah. Jimmy, 600 calories under every single day. Yeah, but I tried my best. I tried hard. <laughs> For all my clients. Sometimes trying your okay, best. Also, transitioning to working from home has been a lot easier for me to eat more because I really was on my feet for nine hours a day, like just coaching, just coaching and just coaching. And it's so hard to eat food while you're coaching. And you're. we had a bunch of rules where you couldn't have certain foods in the gym anyway. But my biggest change for me in the gym was like also how I felt going into workouts and like I still take my shirt off like I don't have real hard apps like I did in October but like I still take my shirt off and like no one looks at me any differently and then people still come up and talk to me about like my life and I don't know I was like in a very negative headspace for a long time like no one's gonna like me now that I don't have abs like no one's gonna talk to me about how fit I am because I don't look very fit anymore but it's actually the complete opposite. And I, I don't know. I don't look as different as I thought I was going to look, um, in my head, anything over 120, I would look like a blueberry. Um, but apparently that's not the case. I don't look as bad as I thought I would look. So <laughs> I think it's, it's part of just like the conversation about body composition and women in general. It's like what drives the likes on social media, you know, ripped women with abs, lifting obscene amounts of, of weight. So you're constantly bombarded with that every day. And you're like, you know, okay, if I don't meet that norm, 
you know, I don't drive the likes. I don't drive the views. No one's going to pay attention to me. No one's going to talk to me, anything like that. And I see it a lot in bodybuilding. I I think just because bodybuilding is this like all encompassing consuming sport that, you know, takes all of your day. People like literally lose themselves. They lose who they are and they just become like a bag of muscles. Like they are just this bag of skin that surrounds muscles. They're not a personality. They're not a person anymore. They become Jess, the bodybuilder. And that is it. That is the extent of it. Kids don't care. Job, fuck it. Friends get lost. It is just, this is me. And then when you start to see post-show, post-diet, whatever it may be, that what you've essentially attached your identity to starts to fade, you're really lost in this like who am i now what am i now so i think the more that you can focus on the stuff that jess was talking about you know think think of like the working mom who has kids job friends all this stuff the more that you can kind of keep that stuff on the forefront and keep like the diet the training secondary to the other stuff that you do in your life the more successful you'll be in maintaining kind of like a healthy psychology around training and nutrition yeah no that's just it like it's that's the one thing that I really try to push just in general to anyone that knows me when we get into these topics. It's because like if you're constantly identifying yourself with the weight on the scale or like how shredded you are or how lean you are or whatever it is, you're never going to be fulfilled. And I know that sounds so cliche, like everyone says that, but like the thing is, is like the truth behind that. It's like, there's, that's real because think about life. We're going to go through different phases, right? Like, you know, eventually as like a young female, eventually one day I'm going to want to have kids. And when my body then has to go through that phase of my life of carrying a child, having a child and then the hormones and all that postpartum, like that's going to be a real thing. And I'm probably not going to be liking what I'm seeing right away. Cause my body's not going to be physically where I have put it in my head or where like my ideal look should be. Um, and so, you know, if you can learn to not identify yourself with your physical, like appearance, your you really, you really got like, you're setting yourself up for like a sustainable, healthy, um, just like lifestyle, because then you understand that there's more to who I am as a person. That's not my body. That's not, you know, what my biceps look like, what my abs look like, what my booty looks like. You know what I mean? Like you just stop identifying with that stuff and you can then appreciate more of the other adventures of life. I think it's a small percentage of people who get super wrapped up, obsessed with this stuff, who look back on it and they aren't filled with regret. So like, that's one of the things that I see from people. And it's one of the things that I saw in my own bodybuilding experience where like I got so consumed in a sport, in an activity that I thought was like it. I thought it was the world. And as soon as I took a step outside of it, I was like, holy shit, I had lost my damn mind. I had lost like that's 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 all it was. It was, you know, the the meals every day. It was the training. It was, you know, the enhancements, all that kind of stuff that I had to do. Missing Jimmy's birthday party at the zoo. Yeah. Fuck Jimmy's birthday party. Your boy's got to get swole. It was shoulder day. Had to get it in. So, yeah, I think I think if you like like you said, if you're super focused on that arbitrary number on the scale, you're really going to miss out or, or lose out on a lot of things. And I promise you, a couple of years from now, you're going to look back on it and be and be really regretful more than anything. Right. Agreed. And it doesn't even have to go for like the 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 bodybuilding world or side of things or even like athletes. It can be just your average everyday like myself. You know, personally, I catch myself sometimes where I'm like really beating myself up because like, you know, I went through a week where I just wasn't feeling the best. I wasn't looking the best in my opinion. And I noticed like looking back, like there was moments where I was so, you know, I wasn't in the moment when I should have been. And I missed out on opportunity to, you know, have a conversation with someone or to really be connected to like a specific moment. But I was so in my own head beating myself up over something that, you know, a week from now, a year from now will not matter. 
It feels like lost time. Exactly. No, that's just it. So, yeah. I definitely understand that. That's my crying in the gym. And I get in the car and I'm like, I don't know why I was so upset, but now I'm fine. It was a big old waste of time. I could have done anything I could have been working on. Handstands, I could have been doing anything else, but I decided that I was going to sit and I was going to cry. So, <laughs> big waste of time. But that's like how I interpret like emotional distress. It's like I actually can't control it. Like, but it's a waste of time for me as I could just, I also like equate a lot of my like, worth to my scores which is like very similar to equating a lot of your worth to your body weight so like if i set i also tend to set stupid goals for myself so i'm like i'm gonna get this done in five minutes takes me like six minutes and 20 seconds i'm like wrecked because like i really genuinely believe that i could get it done in five minutes and now that i did it like here i am i'm gonna sit here and pout for a little bit when i could have been doing something present like talking to the people around me and trying to get coaching how can I make this better yeah don't talk to me I'm gonna cry yeah I also think it helps if you surround yourself like the environment you're in right so like who you surround yourself with that can kind of pull you out of that um um you know like going back to what you said like with crossfitting like and the you you see your the other women that are like doing insane amount of weight or whatever and they're like jacked and they just don't seem like they give a shit if they look fat or not. And they're just doing their thing. Like being surrounded in that environment kind of then takes you out of that mental state of like, you start to not care Care so much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that can go in all, you know, um, the fitness world in general, it could be cross it could be bodybuilding, it could just be average person going to the gym. I think that if you surround yourself with people that are like there to remind you that like we're you know, getting it stronger, it's not necessarily yeah, we're not here to take our shirts off and be the the glistening ab people. And if you need that person to remind you that you're crushing it and everything's gonna be okay, you need that coach, you know. Head on over to giftedperformance.com, the store, and, you know, sign up with uh, old Jay Lee, old Jesse Lee coaching service. She told me before this call started that she really wants like 20 or 30 more clients, like immediately, <laughs> like right now, just all just jump on her. her. Her life is really slow. No school, no homework, nothing like that. Just absolutely bombard her. Um, she'd be really thankful for that. <laughs> She's like, please don't do that. I think she just froze. Pardon me. You hurt her. I broke her Skype. I'm doing my work on my Uh, uh, stand by. We're going to get our Jessie Lee back here in a second, maybe. Hey, there she is. You froze there for a second. Did I cut out? You froze because your computer was so excited for this next question I have. So on a practical note, so leaving the people with some practical tips, um, what are some things that you do for your clients who do have weight maintenance? Maybe it's someone that does have, you know, 100, 150 pounds to lose and they lost that first 50 and now you're transitioning over to like a short maintenance phase. What are some strategies that you use to help them actually maintain um, their weight? Is it like a food selection thing? Do you make changes to their training or cardio, physical activity? Yeah. So, um, again, I think that if you're someone that is, you're in a caloric deficit and then you want to go into a maintenance because it's needed, you're still going to want to track things. Right. And so it's like, for me, see, I think that a lot of times people get the whole, and this can go back to like messing up or failures during a maintenance phase is I think a lot of times we think that a maintenance phase is let me just intuitively eat. My body will tell me when I'm hungry, when I'm full and I'll be fine. And I can maintain my weight in all this world. But here's the thing. I don't think we take into consideration different factors of like stress, all these other things that then throw off our actual hunger signals. So we don't actually really know if we're hungry or not. And then we kind of eat based off of cravings or what might feel right. And then before you know it, you're putting yourself into a work surplus, or you're eating more than you necessarily need to without even realizing it. So I think a big key to that, and I do this with clients and I recommend this to people is that like, you still want to track when you're going through a maintenance phase. So you're going to increase calories a little bit to get back up to that maintenance phase. Um, see how your body responds, take it like a week at a time and just see 
how everything's got, how things are like shifting. Um, and then also finding that balance with being at maintenance and then what you need to do in the gym, like in terms of cardio, um, you'll see a difference obviously with training because you're going to be fueling yourself more. So you'll probably see like, um, you know, you'll have more energy and your lifts will probably go a little bit better depending on, um, a few different things, but, uh, cardio wise too, I think it's just finding a balance of that happy spot of where you can stay at maintenance and then where cardio is going to lie to kind of keep you at maintenance. I think I need to offer a PSA to the world here. When you enter a maintenance phase, your weight is going to go up a little bit. It's going to come back down, but it's going to go up a little bit from the start. What happens is you start eating more carbohydrates. You store those carbohydrates, store the associated water that goes with that. Your weight comes up and then your weight levels off after a little bit. So I think that that's something that really throws people for a loop is they're like, all right, I'm transitioning into a maintenance phase. That means that my weight is not going to change at all. And that is not true. You're going to see around a one to a three percent increase off the bat. And then you're going to maintain that. So really, it's a matter of like losing 50, gain back five on purpose, gain back five, lose another 50, gain back five so that you're just chipping away at this. I think people freak out. They lose their minds when week one of the reverse diet or the maintenance phase recovery diet is in place and their weight shoots up. And they're like, well, you know, time Fuck to get this. back to I'm crash done. dieting. Yep. <laughs> That's a really good point to make. All right. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you guys want to circle back to? We're coming up on the 45-minute mark. That is pretty much our duration here. Guys, we hope you like this one. We'll be back with some Q&A. I was going to say, we didn't get to our question questions today. I know. That's that's for next episode. So if you do have questions, you know, reach out to us. I am at the underscore squad father or at gifted performance. Another PSA again, because I have to say this on everyone. I don't run the gifted performance account. So stop DMing weird shit to poor Lenny. Lenny manages that account. And you're like, hey, squad dad, you want to see pictures of like the fungus in between my toes? It's like, it's not me. It's not me. You can send those, but it's just going to be Lenny. It's not going to be me. So there's your PSA. That looks um, bad. You should go to the doctor. Jess, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me at Jesse Lee. So it's J-E-S-S-I period L-E-E-E. Three E's. There's three E's. There's three E's. There's three E's. Two E's. The Jesse Lee with two E's. We see your cooking page. We like the cakes that you make, but you are not our Jesse Lee. You are your own Jesse Lee. And, you know, keep doing your thing. Jimmy, where can they find you? I actually had to pull up Instagram because I didn't know what my. <laughs> yeah, what is your Instagram? Um, it's Anastasia Robin underscore GP. I have a real name. Um, I know that people don't think that I have a real name. Um my name's Anastasia, but <laughs> I'll take Jimmy forever. Fake or news. Jim Jam. Jimmy, Jim Jam, corn on the cob. She'll take it all. Whatever you yeah. got for her. Oh uh, no, it's Snack Queen. Tom changed my name to Snack Queen. Hey, and make sure when you guys get your apparel from Gifted Performance that you tag the apparel overlord here at Anastasia Robin underscore GP so that she can share your stuff, ask you how it is, all that kind of stuff. And remember, all complaints go directly to her. Not Please, me, I, honestly, I would prefer not that. Me, not gifted, directly to that. her. Because when uh, you ask him what sizes we offer, he's not going to know any, especially Lenny, if you're DMing the gifted account. I stay what in my lane. This? I stay in my lane. I do my thing. And that wraps us up for the day, guys. We will see you on the next one. If you have some questions to add, you now know where to find us to ask those questions. As always, like, comment, subscribe, notification bell, because the algorithm stays <laughs> fucking your gal pals over here. Not your boy, your gal pals over here. We're trying to get YouTube famous. We will see you on the next one. As always, stay gifted and we love you. You're a boss.